Welcome to the Glam International Podcast. This podcast series will help galleries, libraries, archives, and museums professionals in BC reflect on what it means to be an informed citizen with a global perspective. Through this podcast series, we will interview innovators, disruptors, and thinkers that help to frame the work we do in an international context. I'm your host, Leah Patterson. I'm the Engagement Coordinator at the BCMA. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm being joined today by my wonderful colleague from the BCMA, Lorenda Calvert. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is going to be a great chat. So we typically talk about recent events on this podcast, and you yourself have attended something very fun recently. You went to Burning Man. I did. That was just two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Yeah, it's a week leading into and including Labor Day weekend. We're going to chat because I think Burning Man is perhaps a misunderstood event. If you ask people of my parents' age about Burning Man, they say it's just a giant party and miscreants galore. But that's actually, it's got a specific mandate. Like it's very much more organized than I expected it to be having talks to you. Burning Man um, even has a mission statement. It's wild. So tell me, yeah. tell me about Burning Man. Tell me what it is. So I totally understand the reputation it has, not even just with people like our parents' age or including people our age, but Burning Man does have a mission statement. So I want to share that. And then I'll just talk a little bit about Burning Man and then my experience of it. The mission of Burning Man Project is to facilitate and extend the culture that is issued from the Burning Man event into the larger world. And the Burning Man event is like, an arts and culture community exploration and sharing experience. So a lot of people view it just as like a festival or an event similar, but a little bit more extreme than something like Coachella or EDC. But it's, in my opinion, and also I think as Burning Man would like to be known, so much more about a community event than a party. Yeah, I think that's surprising to me because you had shared a bunch of links with our coworkers, and it was surprising to me how many art projects there were planned for Burning Man. And yeah, it's just a giant arts and culture festival. Yeah, it's a giant arts and culture. I would even say just like community, like it has, it has streets, it has landmarks, it's got not businesses, but like industry. It's like a little town that gets built and then gets completely broken down and removed. Like for myself, I don't even think of it just as like a festival or event. Like it's so much more of like a community that you get to be a participant in, like a neighborhood. And Burning Man does have its 10 principles, which is guidelines on the community's ethos and culture, which I think again, highlight that it's not like a festival. The 10 principles are radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, leave no trace, participation, and immediacy. And then in the last few years, a lot of folks have added an 11th 
principle, which is consent. So when you think about those 10 to 11 principles, it's things like civic responsibility is not a principle you would think of for a festival or an event. I think that a civil responsibility, communal effort, leave no traces more of a principle of a community. So I really tell people going into it when I tell them, like we go to Burning Man, I really highlight that it is a community. It's a neighborhood. It's a town, in my opinion, and so much more than just like a party in the desert for eight to 10 to 12 days, depending on how long you're there before, before the gates open. Yeah. It's interesting to look at it that way. Cause I know that you are spending some time doing some volunteering at different events throughout Burning Man. When you take those principles, we could all benefit from putting those principles into practice in our own communities, in our own lives. I mean, that's definitely what like the Burning Man project. And I would say the majority of folks who go to Burning Man hope to do with their own lives and then hope to share it with others because these 10 principles are like pretty good ethos and guidance for your life leave no trace is excellent in my opinion participation is wonderful civic responsibility is so important especially in today's day and age but yeah like you said i did i do volunteering the principle of participation is so that you are you build the city you build black rock city which is the city that burning man is referred to it's Black Rock City. If you type it into Google Maps, you might still be able to see camps laid out in Black Rock City. It's in a dry lake bed in Nevada. People refer to it as the Playa, which I thought was just like a Burning Man term. If you actually go to the Burning Man website, it has this whole glossary because there are a lot of terms that are things I've never heard before only through Burning Man, but Playa is an actual definition for a dried lake bed. So this Black Rock City gets built on the Playa is dried out like that in the desert in Nevada and you make the city. The city is built of camps and those camps bring something to offer to the town. And I go with a group that builds an art car. I went in 2019, which is my first year. And then I went again this year. They did not have an official Burning Man event during the pandemic. There was an unofficial event, but I, the border closure and COVID and all of that in 2019, I went and also participated with an art car group. And with that, you have volunteer shifts with your group, but you can also volunteer with camps separate from your group. The Burning Man organization has camps that are always looking for volunteers, like the camps that have ice, the camps that light the lanterns that guide your way to the man, be volunteers for the gate where people check you in. Yeah. So volunteering is a big part of it and something that I get a lot of reward and satisfaction from. Can you tell me more about the art car? Yes. I didn't want it to just be me rambling on, but I would absolutely love to tell you. No, I want you to ramble. (laughs) Okay. So I, I am now married to a wonderful person and his brother and my now sister-in-law and I guess my brother-in-law, they lived in Toronto And my brother-in-law is a mechanical engineer. He really likes working with machinery and welding and metalwork. And while he was in Toronto living in an apartment, he was looking for a way to get that metalwork fixed and found this group called Heavy Meta. And Heavy Meta builds art cars that go to Burning Man. They also put on arts and cultures events and concerts in Toronto. And they've now relocated to, two of the camp leads have now relocated to Las Vegas and are putting on events in Las Vegas. In 2017, they built a fire breathing dragon off of a like short school bus, which my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were directly involved in and took that to Burning Man. They drove it all the way from Toronto to the desert in Nevada. And they went and they told us 
about this amazing experience they had. They sent us all these photos. Burning Man has a live stream, so you can log on and just see what's happening. So we would log on with my now mother and father-in-law and take a look and see what they were up to and try to spot the dragon. And they came back and they just talked about how amazing and how hard, but still amazing this experience was. They want to get in 2018, same with the fire breathing dragon, a little bit of an easier experience because it was the second year with the dragon. So the dragon had worked out some of its kinks and then they were going in 2019 and Trevor was turning 30 and we thought that would be like a good bucket list experience. And a lot of people go to Burning Man as a bucket list experience. And a lot of people go and have been going for 20 years. So it's a real big mix of folks who go and we thought might as well check it off the bucket list. We know people, we have firsthand experience and information from folks about what it's going to be like and what to prepare and what to pack. And we get to spend a week with family out in the desert on vacation. And we connected with the Heavy Meta group and met them and chatted with them about our experiences and what we could bring and what we could support. We signed up for shifts and we went and had an amazing time in the desert with Heavy Meta and their Fire Breathing Dragon. Now an art car at Burning Man is a means for transportation. Lots of people use bicycles out there, scooters, tricycles. There are not any cars. You are not allowed to drive just your regular vehicle. You can drive on to set up your camp and then you need to park your vehicle. Emergency crews have vehicles. There are golf carts and different kinds of mode of transportation if you need mobility accommodations. But the majority of folks rely on bicycles as a way to get around or just walking. General, the walking is also great. And the art car provides a form of transportation for folks that maybe forgot their bike, lost their bike, or just walking and trying to hitch a ride across the desert. Art cars are art expression. So they are part of the other experience. They are moving sculptures. And then art cars also can be places for people to play music off of so they can create just by parking the dance floor and an experience. It doesn't have to be music. You could probably have an art car out there who's doing spoken word poetry or they just have sound systems. So you can use the sound system. That's what the art cars are. And I went in 2022 this year with Heavy Meta as well, but we built a new art car this year. It was a phoenix, no longer fire breathing, but still with fire because the phoenix has to have fire off of a full-size school bus. So much bigger experience, but that's what art cars are. There's tons of them, small, big. You have ones that are built off of electric vehicles. You have ones that are built off of school buses. You have ones that are built off of giant tanks. You've got ones that are built off of things that are almost the size of golf carts and all different types and shapes. There's one that Trevor really likes, which is looks exactly like a scrubby bubble. The mascot little scrubby bubble, which zips around. There's lots of metal, lots of fire, lots of lights. Wow. Wow. That sounds so cool. I'm just picturing all these like crazy looking art cars. Yes, the Burning Man organization has a DMV, which is a Department of Mutant Vehicles. So our cars are referred to as mutant vehicles. And you have to go and get your mutant vehicle checked out because the Burning Man cares deeply about Leave No Trace. They want to make sure that your vehicle isn't leaking oil, in, is in good operation, isn't going to hurt anyone, isn't going to hurt any of your team. And you can get a sticker to be able to drive your mutant vehicle um, during the day and you can get a sticker to drive your mutant vehicle at night as long as it is, it is properly lit up and then you can get a sticker to have fire effects all issued through the, the organization just to make sure that everything's super safe. They also don't want you to like just bring a car and slap some stickers on it and call it a mutant vehicle as a way to get around 
not having a vehicle out there. They really want it to be a, an artistic expression more so than a means of the a means of individual transportation. That's so neat that they have their own like certification system. Yeah. I think it's, that seems akin to me of Halloween costumes, like the people who don't try very hard and then the people who go all out. It's like a way to ensure people go all out. <laughs> and it's, to me, it's just, again, highlighting that it is, it's a city, not a festival. Like it has a DMV. Like that just is one of the things that makes me think like, city but it's really it's a fantastic way to see the art cars because everyone has to go through the dmv so on the first or second day if you ride your bike out there you can just see this long line of amazing moving sculptures just waiting to get checked out and it's a great way to see who's there this year see what's new see what's happening one of the art cars that i love very deeply that is quite iconic at burning man is this octopus that was made out of scrap metal that shoots fire it was retired we saw it in i think we saw it in 2019 el pulpo mechanico and it was retired because it was sold it's like an arts and culture experience park i believe in texas and the crew who built it made a pretty penny off of it and used that pretty penny to build a replica el pulpo magnifico oh yeah, no, I think about Magnifico and it looked exactly the same. It's a little bit bigger. It's made out of tin, so it doesn't rust as much and is lighter. And just like emerging out of the desert on one of our first days, we saw this very iconic, like eight fire puffs of the arms of the octopus. But having heard that it was had retired, everyone was like, is this a mirage? What do my eyes see? <laughs> Am I being deceived? And then there it was. And it was like, someone coming back from the dead it was absolutely incredible to see and it's so well done and so intricate and the guys who put it on are incredible the average age of folks at burning man is 40 so these guys who built this amazing art car are like i would say their 50s it's not what you would imagine i think people say burning man i don't think people think about people in their 40s and 50s going but the average age is 40 it's this amazing cool thing anyways i'm going on a tangent there that's art cars they're really amazing. If you just Google them, you'll see so many wonderful photos. Everything is so steeped in the city creation. Mm -hmm. And as we are well aware in the sector, each town and city and municipality often has its own museum. It might have its mm -hmm. own art gallery. So I want to pick your brain about what kinds of things you saw at Burning Man that sort of felt connected to the sector in that sense. Did you see a museum? Did you see an art gallery in like almost a traditional sense, but what I mm -hmm. imagine would not be the traditional sense since mm -hmm. it is Burning Man. So uh, Burning Man itself, like the whole Black Rock City, you could say is a gallery. There's so much art. There's an, art that is massive and art that is tiny, art that is sanctioned and submitted and listed through the organization, art that people just bring and set up because they want to. There's all types of like, all types of art, performance art, visual art, so many camps because they want to abide by the 10 principles of and want to participate as one of those principles, provide events as their participation. So you can come and attend a lecture or a TED talk. You can come and make a fuzzy bike seat. You could do a tie-dyeing event. Things that I think I've thought of and hosted and seen hosted by museums as part of their public programming. I've seen listed at Burning Man. You could do like a coffee roasting event or 
yoga class out. All of it is free because of the belief of decommodification. So it's really cool because there's that aspect where I'm like, this is very reminiscent of the work that I do in public programming and education, where it's getting folks to participate and connect and learn. But then the visual art is incredible as well. They, uh, Burning Man organization releases a map that has all of the art that is plotted that you can go and see. The city is the shape of a horseshoe. And in that empty space of the horseshoe is where most of the art is. It's where the man is. They also build a temple every year. It's where the temple is. So in itself, the whole thing feels like a gallery because there's art to see everywhere. But this year I actually th- saw three museums two of them that look more like a traditional and one that was called a museum that I thought was really interesting because I would not have initially thought of it as a museum. So I'd like to tell you about those because that was so cool. I don't know if I didn't see it in 2019 or missed it or if there wasn't museums or they weren't identifying as a museum in 2019, but this was the first year where I actually saw things labeled as museum, which gave me a little thrill. So the first one that I want to tell you about is the one that I feel was like Now thinking about it, it feels like a museum, but at the time I was like, this is really cool and beautiful, but I would not have called it a museum. So I have it here on my computer because I wanted to get the name correctly. It's the Midnight Museum of that one time at Burning Man, created by Jerry Snyder from Reno, Nevada. And it was 25 faux stained glass lanterns that was depicting artwork and events and people that are significant to Burning Man culture that were lit up. They were boxes on a stand, like pillars. And I think the folk, the stained glass was just on one side and each side was a different like part of that 25 artworks. And it had little text panels to explain what it was, which, what it was, which was really cool. And then they were lit because it can be so dark out there. Light is very important, especially because the days are so hot. Lots of people don't go out in the days and they're only going at night. So you have to be lit. People are going to run into it on their bikes. Otherwise, or it's just too dark to see. So the boxes, the stained glass were lit from inside. So you could see them at night. It was absolutely beautiful, but it was so cool walking through this sort of like memory, memory museum. And they had the lanterns lined up maybe in rows of five next to each other. So it made like a box that you would walk through and over here, people saying, oh my God, I remember that. That was amazing. Or yeah, I heard about that and I didn't see it. Or even for myself from going in 2019, I saw things that I had seen and a lot of the art at Burning Man is temporary. It gets burnt, it gets taken apart. So you see things that are only there once because they, they are temporary. So it's really cool to see this sort of record and memory and have people talking around you about that thing that they saw, their thing that they heard, the thing that drove them to come to Burning Man because they heard about this amazing train installation where they slowly ran two trains together on tracks or the pier, which was just like, like a straight up pier built out in the desert that you could walk down and pretend to fish off of. It was just, yeah, really wonderful. But at the time, I would not have necessarily called it a museum. But then upon reflection, this feels very much like walking around an art exhibition and having that sort of connection for community and dialogue. Let's count it as a museum. And then the second one, which was just a stumble upon in the neighborhoods that I hadn't seen before, which is called the Moop Museum. So that's M-O-P. It's actually a camp called the Moop Museum. Moop stands for matter out of place. So that's part of the leave no trace principle is that you are always moving. You are always trying to pick up things that might've fallen. It's a dry lake bed. It doesn't really have the means to break down 
biological material. So you don't want to leave any gray water. You don't want to leave any water itself because that kind of leaves scars on the lake bed, which makes it harder every year. If you continue to have water leaking there, that leaves these sort of divots. Next year, when you camp there, you're going to have a divot, just grows and grows. Hair is a matter out of place. Uh, people don't bring styrofoam or sequins or glitter, or they shouldn't bring styrofoam sequins or glitter or feathers because it flies off in the wind and then you can't catch it. The Burning Man organization builds a trash fence, which is um, to catch things that get blown around by the wind. So MOOP is not necessarily garbage because you could lose something like a water bottle and that counts as MOOP. It's matter out of place. But for the most part, it's seen as garbage. But the Moot Museum, I just cycled by, it had a neon sign that said Moot Museum. There's no staff there, although they do have a sign that said curator is out. So there is a curator. It was a corkboard display of interesting. So they had, someone had found and brought a harmonica, which was pinned up. Someone had found and brought a tiki mug, which was pinned up. And then it had a little text panel explaining the item and where it was found as it's laid out as a neighborhood. So you could have a, an address like 330 and G or 315 or 8 or 10 and F to so have a little neighborhood was found. But the most interesting part was that it had some Polaroid pictures of people in a spot where it previously held a piece of moop and people could come and claim a piece of moop, whether it was something they lost, like a hat that was their own to begin with, or something that they were going to adopt and have, or perhaps needed, like maybe someone dropped a little vial of sunscreen and you showed up and you forgot your sunscreen and there at the museum was a vial of sunscreen. They took a Polaroid of you and stuck it next to the text panel. And that material or matter was no longer out of place. It had a place, it was going home with its original person or a new person. And then they had a gift shop, which had moving bags with dry drawstring bags where you could put move that you find. And yeah, it was just, it was really cute because it felt, it, this was much more of a traditional sort of museum experience. It had displays, you walked through it, it had a curator, it had text panels and a gift shop. And it was just thrilling as a museum professional to see a museum up there. Okay, I just want to say I love this museum. It's like taking a lost and found and making it so much more personal. I would have loved to see that. That's so adorable. I have a photo of it. I took a I took a disposable camera, so I have a photo of the Moop Museum. So I can send that to you so you can take a look at it. It's very cute. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to rely on it. People operate on, on Black Rock City out of this ethos that the playa provides. So, you know, when you need something, there will be, which I don't think goes with the principle of radical self-reliance, but it is an ethos that people say. So I think the Moot Museum falls into that world. Finding that missing thing that you might need is the playa providing. And if you're worried about the person who lost their sunscreen, I'm very sure, or the person who lost their harmonica, I'm very sure that the playa would provide them with something when they need it as well. So they might've found a trombone instead of their harmonica and the playa has provided. So don't be worried about the folks who lost their things because despite the radical self-reliance principle, there's a lot of community and there's a lot of help and support. Don't be sad about that. But yeah, it was really cute. Oh, that's awesome. Your third The third museum. So the third museum was mass in terms of comparison to the other two it and also the most like uh traditional museum was called the museum of no spectators it was out in the playa art section so the museum was in the community so was the museum of that one night at burning man the museum of no spectators is an art piece by john marks and absinthia vermit it's from san francisco and oakland and it's the idea of no spectators 
ties into the principle of participation. And it was this very cool, angular space, like a building that was built out there, which again is amazing because when you go there, it's just an empty desert. Everything you want or need, you have to bring yourself with the exception of ice and porta potties, which is what the Burning Man organization provides. So this built structure had to be brought out here by these artists, had to be put together by their crew and built. And like very very much a traditional sort of gallery space with these very angular triangular galleries that you can walk through off of a an initial hallway and it's an art gallery it's not a historical museum or anthropological museum it has art on display there was art that they were setting up when i was there i went on one of the earlier days before they had really opened to the public and i was like yoo-hoo I'm a museum worker. I'd love to know what you guys got going on. How's it going? And they had, so they had uh, art that they had on display, but it's my understanding that through the exhibit or through the week that we're out there, people could also bring art and add it to the museum, which is part of that participation of Black Rock City and participation of that museum. So you're not a spectator, you're a participant in this museum. You can display art on the walls in this gallery. And they had different galleries loosely tied to the different principles, which is also really cool. And then they also had a gift shop, more so of a traditional gift shop than the Moot Museum, but it it was a place where you could leave a gift and take a gift. So you'd see a lot of people make stickers or pendants or their own small art to hand out as a gift out there when they meet someone or have a really good experience with someone. So this gifting shop was inviting you to leave some of your gifts there for others to take and then to take a gift as well, which is also really lovely and and part of participation. Um, They also, I think, had a place for a performance art, a stand so you can come and perform your performance art as opposed to like having that preset. You could just come and do that, which is also very cool. But for me, it was the size of this museum was absolutely massive when you think again that every Everything has to be brought out there. And it was very cool to see, like, it says museum right on it, a museum of no spectators. This is a museum, very gallery-like out there. So it's just, yeah, a really amazing year for museums for me, seeing those out there. I'm sure there were more that would refer to themselves as museums, but I miss them. And again, there may have been museums in 2019 that I just didn't see, but it was really cool. I love that. I love the participatory nature of all of these. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting, like when you're saying about the first one, the, the museum of that one night at Burning Man, that you just saw all these people talking about, oh, I remember that time. Because I imagine like you were saying you brought a disposable camera mm-hmm. and I imagine like the amount of dust and wind and sun really creates some issues when you're trying to collect memories in the way that we usually would, which is like mm-hmm. photographs and taking video and things like that. Not to say it can't be done. If you're out there having fun, you might not be thinking to constantly be taking that memory with you and then having people connect over these like Mm -hmm. memories like Mm -hmm. either created in stained glass or I think it's really interesting that museums as memory institutions I don't really know if they create that kind of dialogue the way that they exist and it's interesting to hear you say this is just pieces of stained glass of these people or things that have been at past mm-hmm. burning man's and it's creating mm-hmm. all of this conversation mm-hmm. with people. and it's again so big and there's so much art it's so easy to miss things burning man does publish when you arrive at the gate you get a book called the who when where what and it publishes a collection of all of the events that camps are hosting but it's so easy to get distracted get lost run into a friend you miss an event you miss a thing there's just there's just so much to fit into that little amount of time that you're out there so it's wonderful also to see these things and be like oh my god I didn't even 
I didn't even know that was something that happened. Or to see it and be like, oh, I totally heard everyone on my camp saw it. I got derailed and I went to a diner instead kind of thing. But it's also, it's like one of the principles is immediacy. So taking photos and video, not often, it's sometimes looked down upon by Burning Man community members because it's not an immediate experience. If you're filming, if you're filming a performance, you're not watching the performance. You're thinking about how you're going to record this and filming and taking photos crosses over into the world of consent. Filming and taking photos crosses over into the world of commodification as people might be using it for their social media. So it's funny because like immediacy is one of the principles and being there and taking it in live in person is a big part of that. That's a big part of the culture. But then also you have like this memory, like immediacy doesn't negate like having this communal connection off of that memory you have and the things that you saw and what you shared that's in the past. That's not right now in this moment. So it's really, it was really lovely and, and places of memory that museums can play into. I think we can, I think we can reflect as a sector on what are those iconic things that people have memories about with their organizations or our community and want to talk about and want to connect and share. Cause some of this art, like for me, El Polpo, it's people talk about it in reverence. The temples that people built in previous years, how amazing they were. People talk about with this like voice of awe. And I don't know if some of that's because of just like how exhausted you are out there or the fact that it's temporary. So like that all of the temples get burnt, all of the man get, the man always burns. If you didn't see it in that moment, it's gone forever. Which again, brings us full circle to immediacy. If you don't see it in that moment, you might never see it again. So you missed it. And then you're hearing stories from people about it and it becomes part of this culture and this community and then you have a museum about that yeah it's i very cool totally agree and i don't know necessarily how our sector can tie into that it's funny because as you're saying that i think about all the museums and i'm picking on museums in this case but i'm sure the same goes for galleries with permanent collections and other places we can use museum as the broadest term the broadest term yeah but there's always objects in the collection that get put out, but nobody, I want to say nobody cares about. No, it doesn't bring discussion. It doesn't incite imagination. It does. They're just, they're the average items. And yes, there's absolutely a place for those in the stories of communities. But what about all the stuff in your collection that could bring that conversation? Mm-hmm. What in your collection is the conversation starter. Mm -hmm. What pieces do you have that have collective memory in your community that would make people want to come and talk about those things or, or share memories of the past or thing that they saw or did, you know, story that got passed down to them. And like, why aren't we bringing those out Mm -hmm. more? And why aren't we collecting more of those things in Mm -hmm. modern collecting? And on the flip side, I think there's also things in museums and galleries that maybe no one loves or maybe no isn't anyone's favorite, but people keep because we've we have to keep it. It represents our museum, it represents our community. We have to keep it. It's this people might miss it if it's gone. But then I think its absence creates a place for that connection. And I think that's what the temporary nature of art of Burning Man really underlines that it doesn't have you don't have to see it every year. It doesn't have to exist every year. It can only ex- it can only exist for that moment and still leave long lasting impressions. So if you have those things in your gallery that you're keeping just because you've always had it on display, or you think that people would like 
be upset if it's gone. I hope you reconsider and think about perhaps changing it. <laughs> yeah, I get that not every museum can do a turnover no. of their stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but like even one or two pieces, if you just a little change, just see what discussion comes of it, if any, mm-hmm. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Is there any other sort of takeaways or thoughts you had about how this experience maybe enhanced how you look at the sector or any other like revelation revelations that you've had? I think, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway has been the sort of temporary nature of this art that you experience. And also really a lot of people can view our sector as hands-off. It's to be observed and not engaged with, both because of the do not touch signs that we put up for, for artifacts. And I know that we, we want I know that preservation is important, but also just in the way that we built, build our museums, how we identify a museum, how we staff the spaces, how we use the spaces. I think it removes this really large participatory aspect that having gone to Burning Man, I'm only gone twice and like people have been going since the beginning. So there's, I am not, I'm not a representative, but just from my own experience, the participation out there is what makes the arts and culture deeply enjoyable and so deeply experiential and so deeply remembered because you are part of the art. You're a part of the art. You're part of the history. You're part of the experience. You are part of the culture. You are part of the sector. And I would love to see our sector move into a more participatory experience because I do feel that people then would feel a deeper connection to their community museum, to their community and to the arts and culture sector, because you are part of it. You're not just a voyeur or a tourist or someone who only uh, passively experiences it, but you are building it, creating it, and participating in it. Yeah, I think those Mm -hmm. are great thoughts. And I don't think I could wrap this up any better than that. I do want to highlight, like, just underline for folks for Burning Man. I would encourage you to take a look at the art that gets brought up to Burning Man. I would encourage you, if you have not, to take a look at the the principles and what they stand for. Burning Man is not just the week-long city that gets built in the desert, but Burning Man also has a lot of regional events. Victoria here has a regional event. There are camps that I saw at the burn that are Victoria camps. Your community probably has someone who built a camp at Burning Man. And I would encourage you to connect with them and see what they have going on because they are most likely strong supporters of arts and culture. If you have a negative perception of Burning Man, I encourage you to to open that viewpoint and see what else is out there. It's a really cool and incredibly moving experience. I know it's not for everyone. It was 44 degrees out there and strong dust storms this year. So I'm not encouraging everyone to go, but I, I do think it, I think it's a really good, I think it's a really good representation of why arts and culture matters. And I encourage you to give it a deeper look. Yeah. Awesome. I'll post some links in the show notes if anyone wants to investigate some Burning Man information. And Lorenda, thank you. Thank so, you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. This is really fun to share. To stay up to date with our shows, you can subscribe to the BCMA podcast wherever you find podcasts. You can also email our team at bcma at museum.bc.ca if there's a topic or theme you'd like to see covered in our webinars or our podcasts. We love feedback. We want to ensure we're providing programming that you want to see. Until next time.